Hi, and welcome to the Calm Age Rebels podcast. I'm Trudy Lewis. I'm Jenny Field. And I'm Advita Patel. And welcome back to this week's episode and we have got some really exciting news to share with everyone today and it's about our comms retreat. We've had a few conversations, some feedback with folks who have got in touch about our comms retreat and the three of us have had a chat and only yesterday the chat was right, this is how quick we work in Carmesh Rebels. <laughs> Very speedy. Uh, we're very speedy. <laughs> so we had it. We had our kind of regular meeting, and we had a conversation about the comms retreat and what it stands for. And listening to what people have said to us, we've decided that we're actually going to add an extra intensive retreat day in March and move the comms retreat three days later on in 2022, based on, like I said, the feedback that we've had. And we're all very excited about it. We were a bit giddy, weren't we, before we started? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> conversation because it just feels a little bit more comfortable for the fact that we're now coming out of you know I know the pandemic is still very real for a lot of people and and all that but we are kind of getting back to getting out and about and connecting with other folks going along to meetings and I've been to several face-to-face things now and and conferences and things like that and we felt like March is a, a nice dipping your toe into the retreat what that looks like, what that feels like, and spending the day with the three of us that, you know, we're still going to make sure that the day is going to give you the results that you want. Still very action orientated, but it's just one full day of intensity, which sounds quite... <laughs> I mean, you're selling more. it there. I'm really, really selling it, yeah. Really Don't be poor. <laughs> it is an intensive day. We have to be real about this, right? Because it is yeah. going to be quite an intensive day. And what we want to try and help you understand is... The challenges and the barriers and the blockers that are stopping you progressing, we want to kind of spend that day with you and help you address that and unpick some of it, hopefully giving you a a robust action plan and a direction that you can take away after that full day. But the three of us, which is you're still benefiting from all three of us in the room, uh, and we're going to be sharing more about that. So I thought we could have a little bit of a chit chat about that today. Mm. Um, Like I said, it was only yesterday. So we are kind of just, you know, no, I don't want to say making it up as we go along because we're definitely not doing that. <laughs> I think we just all move at the same pace. And I think, yes. it's, yeah. you know, we've all been talking to the people that have applied over the last kind of couple of weeks and having conversations with people. And it's what's been interesting from my perspective is the people that have applied and where they are in their life and what they're trying to achieve. And And I think through all those conversations that we've had, you kind of go, actually, it's probably better just to move the three day to a bit later um, and have the the one day intensive now for those people that don't have the time to take you know the three three days, three days out, out mm-hmm. but also to have something that that is intensive that allows you to be really present all day for a full day to then go back and, and take that action and move forwards and, and get unstuck and I think even though we love the comms retreats that we do together it's made me think even though it was only yesterday that we still have these little mini intensive days between that when I think about it like the times Mm. where we work out that we're all actually going to be in London at the same time so we might meet up together somewhere and and spend some time together just getting unstuck on a few things so we do seem to pepper them around but I don't think we'd really thought about it as a complementary thing to the retreat that we do together and I think it's just trying to pull that all nicely together for people to give them a different option so yeah 
And I think, you know, it, it's a big thing, isn't it, spending three days with the three of us if you don't really know us. I mean, and yes. that's the other thing that I think is really important. I know some people would, you know, we're a joy. We're a joy to be around. There are some people going, yeah, I would never, I would never spend three days with them. Never. <laughs> no, I think, you know, the whole idea of intensive for me, especially when you've got a day where you're all kind of in a totally different space, you're almost like locked away. And so I think what we're trying to bring is the same environment that we would have brought uh, when you do go to the full retreat, which is later. But within that one day, and I think, you know, we can't negate how powerful it can be to just take that time out, especially if you if, if people are joining with a very focused mind, you know, they really want to get stuff done. We know that we want to help people get stuff done. So in terms of what we will take them through, it, I think it will be quite a quite a powerful day, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're still keeping so much of the essence of the full retreat, which I really like. So it's still going to be yeah. bespoke to the people that. Um, that sign up to, to be with us it's still going to be to your point of view to you know action orientated and and things to go away and, and do and, and move forwards and I think that's what makes it a little bit different to what's out there at the moment that you're not coming to something that's a predetermined day and you know and I hate that I hate that when you go to something and it's like well three out of the seven workshops are probably relevant but for the ones that aren't relevant I'll just you know sit in and listen or whatever so I think when mm. something's properly tailored for me, anyway, I always think yeah. it's it's kind of worth worth my time to go to because I know I'm going to get something out of it. Yeah, definitely, and it's still limited numbers. You know, we're not we're not having hundreds of people in a room. We're still keeping it quite tight because that's important for that safe space mm. and an environment where we can converse with each other and collaborate and talk. Because as well as the three of us in the room, you'll also have peer to peer support with others in there and we don't want it to be overwhelming for folks as well when they come into room so it's still very limited numbers and it is you know like to Trudy's and, and Jenny's point it is all about action and taking it forward and you know the conversations that we've had recently it's definitely made us recognize that things are still a bit tough you know there's so much going on right now and there's just we've, we've gone through a really challenging period of time and I think having that day that one day of just total kind of right this is what I want to achieve Mm -hmm. these are my goals these are my objectives I just need a bit of space I need a bit of support I need a bit of coaching to kind of get me through it so I know what my next you know nine months or so what even beyond that is going to look like and it is for people you know when we spoke about the full retreat it's still for those folks who are at a barrier in their careers you know still for those people who just are just stuck you know, we've all been there. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting in the conversations we've had as well, that it's for anyone in any career. I know we've had some conversations, you know, is it only for women? Is it only if you work in comms? You know, some of those questions. But yeah. we've also had, you know, lots of conversations with with men and, and other people who have applied. So I think it's it's important that no matter what role you're doing, for us, communication is so important to help you get unstuck and help you work yeah. through things. So yeah, whatever role you're doing, you know, wherever you are, then it's kind of hopefully relevant and helpful to anybody. Yeah, and whatever you need to navigate your way out of. I I think it's quite an interesting one because you talk about being on stock, but part of that is also about gaining clarity Mm. and learning how to be a a lot more present in whatever you're working on. And those are the types of things that, that unlock what's happening for you. And I think 
throughout the whole day, I, it, it'll be that those little experiences that really just give you light bulb moments and yeah. help you to realize that actually, yeah, I, I can figure out a way. Uh, one of the biggest things with coaching is all about creating strategies to help you to move to the next level or wherever you need to go. So, so yeah, I'm really excited about how that can play out within a day. Yeah, I'm really excited to see who who we get coming through the doors. Who's going to come in? I don't know if you mentioned, but it's going to be, we decided it's going to be in central London, didn't we? Because it's just in terms of access for majority, it's easier, especially if you're coming outside of London. For me, it's, you know, a couple of hours on the train and things like that. So we are looking at a venue that's accessible as well in terms of distance and, you know, from from the main train stations. But if anybody does have any questions, about it if you're interested in coming along if you want to reserve your spot right now because like I said it's limited spot so email us at hello at carmedgerebels.com uh, or dm us as well if that's easier for you on our social channels which is carmedgerebels we're on instagram uh, twitter and linkedin now actually so you can dm us on e- either one of those channels and just say hold my spot and we'll, we'll be in touch with you we'll still be asking you to answer a couple of questions just so we're making sure that it is tailored and bespoke to what you need as well. So hopefully it'll be a great day for everybody. Actually, I'm going to stop saying hopefully, because I always say to folks, don't say hopefully. No, it will, it be. will be. It will be a great day. <laughs> it will be a great day. It's going to be an amazing day, not hopefully. And we know that you're going to leave the day feeling inspired, invigorated and motivated to unpick the challenges that you're going and, and go forward so we're very excited very excited about it anyway we on our next episode uh, you know what Jenny you're gonna have to I remind know. me I do know I thought <laughs> she's not gonna remember what's coming next know, the episode that you're about to listen to is leaders are responsible for psychological safety oh, um, yes. discuss and that's what we do over the next kind of 45 minutes or so enjoy If you want to find out more about how you can work with us you can visit our website which is calmedgedrebels.com here you can find out more about each of us individually and it will also give you links to our own websites which are colinear.co for trudy commsrebel.com for advita and redefining comms for me jenny you can also follow us on instagram and on twitter at calmedgedrebels and you can also follow us individually on twitter instagram and linkedin So if you do want to work with us around communications, consulting, coaching or workshops, please do get in touch. Well, today we are talking about psychological safety. Now, this topic was one that I started to look into and was just exploring. You know, I think all of us have read the book, Fearless Organizations by Amy Edmondson. I've also listened to some podcasts about that, and we'll make sure that all of these appear in the show notes. But I've been exploring it and looking at it, and there are so many different angles from which we can start and that we should explore. So for me, it's probably one of those topics that we could do over three podcasts (laughs) because there's so much to talk about. Um, From a leadership perspective, I was reading something about how much psychological safety is a leadership responsibility to foster within the organization. So just for those who might not know what it means, uh, psychological safety is about being able to show up at work and be your whole self at work 
without any fear of negative consequences or knocks to your self-image or who you are as a person. And in these times, I find it's even more critical for us to be talking about this, for us to be reviewing this. And I know both of you feel exactly the same way. So I'm going to start with one of you to just give me your take on it. I, I, I won't ask loads of questions, but where are you on all of this, Jenny? Oh, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was kind of doing that in between. Jenny and Peter, Jenny and Peter. Yeah. Thank you. So it's interesting. I read, well, I started listening to the audio book of the Fearless Organisation and then promptly realised that I needed to buy it because I wanted to highlight so many things. And I remember reading it and listening to it at the beginning of this year. So it must have been kind of February, March time. And it was really interesting reading it on the back of all the conversations that we're having around kind of culture and organisational change and everything else. And there's some great stuff in there around how we deal with failure, the different industries and and how hierarchy plays a role, links very nicely to the books like Rebel Ideas, which we've talked about before, and also Black Box Thinking, both by Matthew Saeed. So it's a very good book. And I think for me, there is quite a lot in there in terms of the term and understanding it that's much more to do with how we deal with failure and how we operate as teams, more so than that kind of whole self without fear. And when you just said that, it made me think about belonging, inclusion, and some of the other themes that have been so prominent for organisations in the last year. So it's left me with a question of what's the difference between psychological safety and belonging, Mm -hmm. because I'm not entirely sure based on that definition. But I suppose for me, when I think about it, it's much more about how as a team you can work together and feel able to speak up and have a voice when you think something is going wrong. So not so much that kind of whole self, but actually I feel able to kind of say to a pilot or a doctor or my boss or whatever it might be actually you know if we do that this is going to happen and there's some good stories in all the books we've read about the impacts of not speaking up and so I suppose it's more that for me that I that somebody feels psychologically safe enough to speak up for the greater good of the organization wow yeah I, I agree and it's, it's interesting you come with that angle because there was something that stood out for me in Amy Edmondson's book actually around the almost natural fear that we have, because when we're children, we have this fear of speaking out and looking yeah, looking stupid, really. So as a result, if we don't get the right reaction to us expressing that, that's what kind of knocks us. And if you can imagine, if you've then grown up and you're in a workplace and suddenly you, you say something and your boss or your colleagues are overly critical, they're harsh or whatever. This is exactly the type of thing that just knocks you down. You don't feel safe and you never speak up again. Mm. And it's almost like the behavior of psychological uns- sorry, psychologically unsafe environments at work trigger that old habit that you have of shirking back when something mm. is seem to be oh somebody's going to criticize me or I'm not going to look my best what do you reckon Advita? I completely agree in terms of everything both of you have said about psychological safety it's something that I have paid particular attention to over the last 12 months because it's a question that comes up time and time again with some of the clients that I work with about you know my team are not speaking up you know they are not putting the cameras on I'm not getting anything back from them when I ask a question. 
And I always kind of go into that psychological safety checklist, you know, like, what are you doing? Because what you said at the beginning, Trudy, about, you know, leaders fostering and nurturing that environment to make sure that people do feel safe. And to Jenny's point about, it's not about belonging. It is very different. And I do see both of them quite different. Belonging is your own inner kind of thoughts about feeling safe enough to be your whole self, right? So you play a part in that and your, and your environment plays a part in that, of course I do. But being psychologically safe doesn't necessarily mean that you will 100% belong, but you should be able to speak up in that conversation. Ideally, you'd want both to work hand in hand because you want anyone to walk into an organisation and feel that they can be their whole selves and belong and contribute and all that kind of stuff. And an element of that is down to leaders to create that. But psychological safety is a bit wider than that. And it is about creating that environment and that zone where people can speak up and be that active bystander if they see something that isn't quite right. And leaders need to take responsibility for that. So when I ask questions of the leaders who ask me, like, why are my team not switching on the camera? You know, why are my team not contributing to the conversation? Why are my team not trusting the stuff I say and questioning my judgment? I'm like, that isn't, I said, if they're questioning your judgment, that probably means that they feel safe to do that. And that isn't a negative thing, right? And that's the other thing about psychological safety. It's like, people think we've moved away from that. I would say, I don't know if both of you agree with this or not, is that I have seen a shift in leadership over the last 12 months in terms of that authoritative command and control, which was, you know, people do like to think they're not like that, but I would say traditionally, you know, majority folks are a bit like that in, in the sense, like, you know, before COVID and the pandemic, it was a little bit like that, right? Your leader told you you did it and that was it. Now, with everybody working virtually and hybrid and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of transitioned that leadership a little bit and more empathy has come out because leaders have actually gotten to know their teams a little bit more and some teams, not all teams, do feel a bit safer when they're in their own environment. So they're a bit more open to, you know, to speak up. But I do think, and I think that's why psychological safety has kind of grown in the last 12 months, because if you've noticed, and it'll be interesting for the folks who are listening, if they've noticed this in their organisation, when you're in your own environment, like at home, in the office, majority, not everybody, will generally feel more comfortable in speaking up because you're safe. And to replicate that in the business, you know, it takes a bit of energy and intention for leaders to do that. And that's why I think leaders probably seen that transition of psychological safety going a bit higher when people are at home. And I suppose my question now is with hybrid working and people coming back into the office, how do you manage that? How do you continue with that kind of psychological safe environment where people feel that they can contribute and can question and can be innovative and can build that trust? Because I, I have a feeling and, and again, I'm generalising again, I do think we may transition back into that authoritative command and control style when people don't follow the rules and guidelines of the organisation. <laughs> Just saying it. Oh, no. People are going to like, oh, my God. It's but all no. going to go back. I don't think you're wrong. No, I, I don't think you are. I think it's challenging because people, you know, this comes back down to leadership styles, doesn't it? And the fact that as a leader, it's really important to be, adaptive and versatile and and move from style to style depending on what's needed within the organization however when you consider that having a consultative or supportive leadership style allows you to get your staff to be more innovative more productive in a safer space and 
overall, you know, there are case studies that actually say this, that, you know, the more you are working in this way, the more you operate in these styles, the more you see your people feeling confident and safe to actually speak up, to get involved, to come up with the solutions that you need for the organization. If that's what you're willing to foster, why would you walk away from that and go back to command and control? Because it, it doesn't really make sense. But then, you know, more recently, I know that common sense isn't really common, is it? So no. <laughs> another mic drop comment there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are 100% right there, Trudy. I do think it is common sense. Is, you know, there's some of the stuff that we three talk about. I do, you know, we have our offline conversations saying, God, I'll be just like, I feel like we're teaching people how to suck eggs at times, you know, when we have these conversations. And But I do believe that when you're in the, the deep, dark depths of just churning things and doing your to-do list and pressures are on you. So I'm working on a few restructure programs in, with various clients at the moment. And these are really, you know, some of these folks are really intelligent human beings. But when pressure and anxiety and stress and all that is piled on, it's not surprising, actually. It's not surprising. But common sense does leave people, right? Because they can't think beyond what they have to do. And sometimes that empathy and that human skills that we talk about are not there. And the number of times I've had to kind of go into that conversation and go, we need to stop. We need to stop this because what you're suggesting is not fair at the moment. Mm. And then when you explain why, they're like, oh, my God, yeah, you're right. You are right. But it's because when you're so, we talk about common sense quite, you know, like, oh God, it's just common sense. But I understand when you have got so many things coming your way at 100 miles per hour, as leaders often do, and line managers often do, it's difficult. It is difficult to kind of prioritise what you need to do. You think about the human element and making sure that your team are okay. You're getting pressure from various different shareholders, leaders, chief execs, whatever. And that, that kind of psychological safety belonging piece that I spoke about before does leave you. It does leave you. You're a bit like, I just need people to do their job. <laughs> but I think, it, but it, I think so much of it also depends on, on your personality type as well. Like we've talked, we've done work, you know, the three of us through some of our work together in other areas where we've looked at our personality types and, yeah. you know, anyone that's done the, the red, yellow, green and blue and all those kind of <laughs> things, you know, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm a very high red with a little bit of yellow, but I have to dial up my green and my blue which if you know me, they are actually, you know, it's, it's more the conflict where that kind of red comes out. So I know that if, you know, if I'm leading a team or leading a project or anything like that, when it becomes, you know, conflict or high pressure, I immediately go to that kind of, you know, can you just get on and just do it? Because <laughs> I haven't really got the time to talk about this. So I know that I do that. But I think so much of psychological safety links back to both your personality type and and how you work in and how that shows up in conflict but I think the other thing for me that comes through is the context that you're in you know there there is something about different industries and hierarchy and different cultures and things that exist where I think psychological safety is quite difficult I think if you look at some of the examples where you know, if we've shared in previous episodes about the story of the pilot that was, you know, running out of fuel and the his co-pilot whether didn't say anything and, you know, mm. and then unfortunately it ended in tragedy. But I do feel like that's a very hierarchical context in terms of how things work, like the military and other things like that. And I think the context and the culture of the organisation combined with the personality types, I'm almost creating an equation. <laughs> is what would determine how psychologically safe that culture feels because 
it can't be just kind of a blanket approach, especially, you know, the medical profession is another one that's talked about quite a lot. There are certain professions that I think struggle because of the hierarchy and inherent things that exist, which need to change, you know, over and, and will change over time. But just the other day, I heard the story of, you know, a consultant whose family member was, you know, in a hospital and he sort of, you know, demanded to go in outside visiting hours because I'm a consultant, you know, and it's that sort of, you know, there are things that exist like that in a lot of ways where people have this ego or this sense of leadership or this sense of, you know, power over all that kind of stuff. It's a complex topic, which is probably why, Trudy, you were saying we could do it over three different episodes, <laughs> because there's just so many things at play. And I don't think it's something you can pick up and, and do lightly. But I do massively agree that it's a very big leadership responsibility because culture, for me, and I think we do agree on this, always has to start at the top. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, actually, you know what, there will be instances. And I know I said, like, you know, sometimes leaders when common sense sometimes goes out the window but also there will be times and we've spoken about this before where you can't and we've spoken about this haven't we Jenny we've had debates I think we did it in the ham sandwich one <laughs> ham baguette <laughs> ham, like, ham and cheese baguette um, yeah ham baguette and cheese baguette and stuff like that but you know I do I do after, on reflection and some of the thinking I've done recently is that there will be times where in certain professions you know, the decision has to be made in that moment and that has to be led by that leader. And as much as I think they want to open up the conversation and have that kind of debate and discussion, it's just not a priority or it's not a, it's, it's not something that they can get involved in, especially things like the medical profession, right? I do think mm. that the, you do need to have a discussion about people's health, obviously. But I know, you know, I've got friends who are surgeons and work in that kind of consultancy and they have to make that decision in that moment in the operating theatre. And you do need to make, you know, as a lead, as much as you want to be like, I think as much as they do do a lot of discussion and debate around treatment plans, there are times in people's world they have to make a decision as a leader. And I think that we can't forget that. And it is about having that balance as well. Definitely having that balance. because, And the same applies to any kind of organisation where, where there's, you know, leaders are there to kind of decide the future of that organisation. And ultimately you have to draw a line, right? Like. This is where we're at and it's what we need to do. But, and that's, that's where I think belonging comes in because you can still draw a line and you can still allow people to feel that they have contributed and, and they belong and they're making that, they're having that supportive kind of conversation, right? And I think that's where that belonging piece comes in. So, you know, when I said at the beginning that there is a difference between psychological safety and belonging, I think that's when the belonging thing kind of goes in a bit. Like you should still feel, okay, my leader has stopped this conversation because they need to make a decision. But I feel okay about this because I still belong in this space. Um, yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. And I nice. think that's how yeah. I kind of see it. Yeah. And it. It's it's quite interesting because all of what you're saying, and I think both of you imply that maybe there should be a model that includes psychological safety, belonging, and the individual. And what was coming to my mind when I was listening to you, Edvita, was the whole thing of it all works in two ways. So yes, we know that leadership leads the way in terms of culture and driving some of this but the other side of it is that we almost have to work on ourselves and our own confidence to step up a little bit and to not be so daunted when some of these personalities hit us or some of these things hit us so I know that if you know if leaders come across as overly authoritative won't allow you to speak and shut you down and so on of course you feel intimidated and it can crush your confidence. Mm. But on the same token, 
it's trying to push past some of that as the individual and saying, I am going to speak up when I've got something to say. I am going to push through. This might be uncomfortable or I'm going to get some help to help me to overcome some of this lack of confidence that I might have that's been ingrained in me from the year of dot in order to, to to bring that balance because I think I feel as if to say there is a balance that's needed like you said Advita that is between belonging and psychological safety and but it's also between leadership and the individual within the organization so it's it's how you balance that whole equation yeah. for it to actually work because the environment is there we set the environment you know if you're a leader and you've got the management team they all set the environment what happens after that is that it's all of the players within that environment and how we behave and how we act and how we are consistent in the different styles and the different personalities that we've got coming together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's Jenny's point about that personality type plays a big part. I do, I do think that. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. As we were talking, I was just going back to a, a blog post that I wrote earlier on this year, having read the book, and it says... The book outlines, this is the Fearless Organisation book by Amy Edmondson, the book outlines what psychological safety is not. It's not about personality. It's not about being nice. Thank God. It's not about another word for trust. And it's not about lowering performance standards. And it was just interesting in terms of that distinction about the trust and the personality having, I think they all play a role, but it's, there's some really good stuff in that book around how there's some kind of preconceived ideas that if you're an introvert for example you wouldn't kind of speak up and 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 things like that in terms of what makes up a team and what makes up a great team that's a psychologically safe team that allows it to innovate and grow and learn and I think that's quite important the other thing I've written down as we were talking was consequences which kind of feels like Mm -hmm. a little angle of link to psychological safety because I feel like there is it's about consequence isn't it if you think about being able to speak up in a group or in a team environment and feeling safe enough to say, actually, I think if we do that, this is going to happen, or, you know, please land the plane. (laughs) You know, it's, it's the consequence of not doing that, which comes back to our ability to assess that risk of speaking up and what will happen, which we know is not great for us in terms of the whole innate thing that's built in us about the fear and not fitting in and not not being part of the the group if I speak up they might then you know kick me out the group and and that kind of feeling so there's a lot in here about how we work as human beings and our inability to speak up despite that consequence when it can have you know real tragic implications by not speaking up that we don't because we're not very good at assessing risk and all of those things so that just opens another kind of doesn't it I'll stop now I feel as if to say we've just scratched the surface, just the surface, but we're about the point at which we need to come and talk about tips. Now, gosh, we could look at it from a number of angles, but I think there are two angles I think we should look at it at based on what we've just said. One is around leaders and how leaders might address this, because this isn't an easy issue, especially if as the single leader at the top of the organization you've also got a leadership team to manage and we're also looking at each one of their attitudes as well so it's so it's not an easy thing so it's perhaps a few things about how leaders can approach this but also a few things about how an individual can approach this within their organization so coming from the two sides I saw a really great article from McKinsey 
I'll put it in the show notes, that has that also has some statistics as well that is directed at leadership and how and some of the things that they can do or need to do. Obviously, Amy Edmondson's book's another great one, but I'm gonna start with Advita. Give us some tips, my dear. Wow, okay, so many, there's so many tips. I think, you know, you've got the basic tips of just, you know, checking in on people on a frequent basis. And I want to talk about productive disagreement. We've shared, we've shared that in show notes before. And I do think it's important to foster those disagreements and making sure that people feel comfortable enough to share their, you know, we live in a world of echo chambers, I think at times. And I think it's important for leaders to reach out to those, you know, to those people who are a bit quieter in meetings and just check in with them and say, do you agree? Do you not agree? What do you think? I really want to hear your views. If you feel that putting them on the spot is going to make them uncomfortable, then definitely take it offline. But you should know as a leader, in my opinion, your team's preference on how they communicate. And, you know, that notion of introverts not wanting to speak up and extroverts dominating meeting, that is the generalization that people do have out there. But I think we can't make those assumptions. I think you need, as a leader, one thing that you need to make an effort in doing is you need to put yourself out there a little bit and be vulnerable with your team and tell them what your working habits are like, what you, their working habits are like. I saw an incredible um, thing a while back, which is a user guide. I know some people didn't like it and we will link it in the show notes though, but <laughs> it's a human user guide. Like this is how I work. This is how I want nice. to be communicated with. And this organization asked every new starter to fill it in, the quads in this, on this one page and you hand it around to your teammates. And there's things on there like these are the words that really irritate me. <laughs> you, can, you can change it to uh, however you want it. But I thought that was, that's such a great starting point to build that psychological safe environment, right? So this is how I like to communicate in the business. This is what I like to do. These are my working hours. This is how I feel when I feel a bit anxious. It takes an element of vulnerability again to put yourself out there. And I can't not mention Brene Brown at this point. Do read Brene's book, Power of Vulnerability, to talk if you're not familiar with that notion. I think most folks are. Again, I'm generalizing. But you do need an element of vulnerability. The other thing is do a bit of a measure in your team in where you think they are in terms of contribution and innovation and conversation. Some of the leaders I've spoken to, like I said, at the start of this conversation is people don't have their cameras on. When I'm having a meeting, people don't have their cameras on, even though I've asked them to put their cameras on. My question back is, how have you asked them individually what is happening? Like what, what's going on with them? What's happening? Have you read between the lines? Have you picked up the phone and had a conversation on the phone? You know, people may, there'll be different things where people feel that way. And you need to explain the why behind your rationale. You can't just be, put your cameras on put your cameras on, like explain why it's important for you to see them because that body language space will be really mm. important for you to know. And if you've got low psychological safety in your organisation or in your team and you've got um, low performance in your team as well, there's a correlation. There generally is a correlation there. So you might want to just check where they sit. So you've got, you know, you want to be in that kind of growth learning zone, in my opinion, and that's your sweet spot. So that's high, high psychological safety. And generally, when people are psychologically safe, they are performing in yep. that zone and they're, and they're learning. So do a, a bit of a mini audit, is what I would say, in your team and write everyone's name down and do a bit of a sense check. Like, how do you think they are feeling? And then pick up the phone. I mean, simple, but pick up the phone and mm. or have a face-to-face -face if you can, if it's safe to do so, and just have a conversation about how they feel things are going. And the other thing, like this last thing I want to kind of share is 
at the moment, I'm playing around with this notion of reboard, re-onboarding. I think we, and I'm doing a bit of research on this for a couple of clients, but there's this whole thing that we have one induction. You know, we start an organization and we have one induction right at the start and that is it, right? And then you're in that organization, you could be there for five years, 10 years, one year, but you don't tend to get that induction again. And in my opinion, businesses change a lot and the culture can shift, businesses change, leaders change. I think to build on that psychological safety, it would be a great shout, in my opinion, especially with everything we've gone through with pandemic, is to have a re-onboarding or re-induction to every new starter once a year. Not that mandatory, really boring training that everyone has to do. <laughs> Maybe make that less boring. Yeah, don't make that boring. That for, you know, that dread that people get. Then, oh, no, got to be mandatory. We've all done it. You know, when you go into an organisation, they say, right, you need to do these 10 online modules before this date, before we can progress your you know, progression forward. That, that's just, that means that's another conversation for the day. But looking at what does that re-onboarding, re-induction, whatever you want to call it, look like to get people back on the same page. So I will share more once I've kind of done a little bit more research on that, but it's definitely worth looking into if that's something that you're struggling with uh, in your organisation. Thanks, Edvita. <laughs> that's really good. Jenny, how about you? So tips for leaders on all of this stuff would be not dissimilar to to Advita's really. So very much focused on how you create an innovative growth learning culture, which is what we're trying to do from psychological safety. Probably just two really. So being open, but creating intentional spaces to do that. So you have to proactively invite input. So I agree with Advita's tip around the kind of having the conversations with your team. There's a little niggle in my head of if we're not in a psychologically safe environment, how honest are those conversations going to be? So I think that's kind of the, the thing to, to work out. But I think you have to you have to be open, you have to proactively invite the input and you have to do something with that response, show that you're actively listening and, and, and being part of that. The second is knowing your limits and knowing what you don't know. I mean, that this comes back to some of that vulnerability stuff, but it's okay to say, you know, I don't, I don't know the answers to this. So can we all get together? And I was talking to a client the other day and saying, you, know, you could change things up a little bit you could change how you do something and actually rather than you decide how you do that let's ask the team it's a very small business so let's ask the team to kind of suggest what they would do for this and I don't know that they're going to do that for various reasons but it would have created something for the team to do together rather than doing things as individuals and it would have allowed people to have shared kind of why they think things should change and what they think things should be like moving forwards and it's a shame because I don't think they will do it but it it was such an opportunity to look at how you can get different people working together and I think as a leader part of creating psychological safety is enabling people to work across the organization and when I was mentoring someone the other day I was talking about how now they've built their team how do you get some peer-to-peer one-to-ones going on so it's not all just going straight up and down but if you've got a large team how do you do it across the team in order to build those relationships because for me psychological safety is so linked to relationships as well and that's got to work across that whole team environment so as a leader you've got to create those intentional spaces I suppose is probably the main thing for me and you've taken a couple of mine oh sorry (laughs) the executive coaching you is always gonna have it's always gonna that's okay (laughs) 
No, but I, I was going to talk about being open, but I'm glad you covered it as well. And you covered it really well. A couple of for me, just quickly, one is about not ignoring it. So, you know, we're in a time when all of these terms are being thrown at leadership, thrown at organizations, you know, hybrid working, this, that, the other. Now you've got to be psychologically safe. And I, I just hope that leaders don't ignore the importance of looking at this particular one because of how much it impacts what's happening to your people and also how it impacts your organization. The case studies talk about how because in, in some ways, because staff were psychologically unsafe and they reacted out of fear, they caused major problems for the organization. Wells Fargo is one of the famous ones with employee action simply because they were so scared and the result that it had for the company. So I would say don't ignore it. Become self-aware as a leader. And this goes back to being vulnerable, but also, you know, there's some things about understanding yourself and who you are and how you operate. Look at things like leadership styles and how different they are and how the impact is of these leadership styles to people and how they work. And for people, I, 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 for everybody else, including myself, it's just about being more confident and mm. taking the time to be kind to yourself. You know, don't have that inner chatter that's going to tell you that you cannot say something in a meeting. Find the moment that you're comfortable with and say something. Yeah. Because you might be shocked. You might have to have the answer for the organization sat there and keeping quiet and people really need to hear what you have to say. So, so you know, try and push past some of the lack of confidence get some help if you need help and let your voice be heard <laughs> you've, you've made me um sorry you just made me think which I'll put in the show notes the five second rule by Mel Robbins yeah which talks oh, about yeah. Before, yeah in terms of that counting down from five to one and then moving like if you're if you do have that thing in a meeting where you struggle to kind of speak up and it's a really good really good book I listened yeah. to it when I was walking because Mel narrates it herself which I always enjoy so I'll pop that in the show notes for people as well because yeah just don't count one. out loud in the meeting because they're probably yeah <laughs> That's, you know what you made you made a really good point of that whole confidence but I know you mentioned it earlier before and that Mel I was just going to say the Mel Robbins book the five four three to one yeah. but the, the other thing I always say to folks when I do the confidence coaching stuff is have a have a look at why you feel the way you feel in that meeting right so some people can do the five four three to one and, and speak up because that's okay for them other people what I've re- realized during my kind of conversations is being prepared yeah. and being giving yourself, blocking, you know, we, we live in this world at the moment where we're back to back with every single meeting that we have, but we're in control of that, by the way, right? So you need to kind yeah. of put yourself 15 minute blocks after every meeting and before every meeting, if this is the way you work and have a look at the agenda items as an agenda around or look at the objective of that meeting and note down three or four bullets about what contributions you're going to make. And one thing to really remember about when you're speaking up in these kind of conversations is what's the worst that can happen? Like, what is the worst that can happen if you don't say something? And just talk yourself back from that, you know. And if it is, I can get fired, then what's the, what's the contingency on that, right? And, and when you feel safe, that you know you've got your contingencies in place, if, you know, that is going to happen. I would say 99.9% of the time, that probably won't happen. Mm. You know, people will probably be quite grateful that you have spoken up. But we can, and Jenny, you always say this, it's that we tell that story to ourselves, right? Yep that, oh my God, if I say this, they're going to think I'm this and then I'm going to think I'm that and then I might not do this and then I'll just keep quiet or I'll get more work on my plate. And then you can you can manage that yourself. So 
I always say to folks, give yourself 15, 20 minutes, look at the objectives of the meeting, write down two or three bullet points about what contributions you want to make. What's the worst case scenario and have your contingency in place? Yeah. You have to feel comfortable that you're, you're secure and you feel safe as well. So that, we talked about leaders a lot, like what leaders need to do, but you can also create that psychological safe environment for you as well. And I think there's something about doing what's right for you to enable that feeling of safety. You know, even if you're thinking from a confidence perspective, you know, some people don't like to prep. Some people are more in the moment, you know, maybe during the meeting, make sure that you have got the opportunity to write things down. And, you know, there's lots, there's lots of things in there, but I think, I think the making sure that you're doing what what you need to do to to feel safe is is really important. Really good. Yeah. But I I definitely think it's interesting how we started this conversation of the different definitions of psychological safety and kind of where it's gone. And Mm. it's made me want to go and have a look at all of the definitions because I think there's it's so broad, isn't it? And I think that it's like culture. There's so many definitions of that. And this is essentially culture. So how does it manifest and play out? So you've just given me loads of homework, Trude. Thanks. I know. I kind of felt like we were just starting back up again. I know. Another conversation. <laughs> Which is why I said at the beginning, this could be three podcasts. Good. Uh, I'm going to go and do an equation now. So <laughs> watch his face for next I'll, season. I'll and trademark it. Trademark it. Don't no steal it. <laughs> more about us how to sign up to our comms retreat or to listen to past episodes go to calmedgedrebels.com don't forget to rate and subscribe and thanks for listening